0: One of the first questions that you have to ask when you start a new church, and we're three years into this experiment of starting Restoration Life, a new church in the old part of the city, is why do we need a new church? I don't know if you're aware, but there's almost 100 churches within three miles of where we sit right now. you realize that? Nearly 100 churches, three miles. That means if you're fairly able-bodied, you could hop on a bicycle and ride to 100 different churches from where you sit right now so there's no shortage of churches in this area and if we're going to start a new church we have to be very clear why do we need another church why do we need another congregation that calls themselves a church why do we need to gather here on sunday mornings when there's buildings that are almost completely empty where you could gather on this very same time in this neighborhood And that's a question we had to take very seriously when we started Rest Life because we are not in the business of competition. We did not say, oh, what they do over there, we can do that better. If we do it better, all their people will come over here. That was never. will never be part of the philosophy, the ministry of Restoration Life. That's not what we're all about. In fact, it's not all about Sunday at all. We've said from the very beginning, church isn't what we do here on Sunday. Church is what we do all week long, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sunday is just the day when we come together as God's people and we celebrate what He's been doing in our lives. So This isn't church. It's not about Sunday. You're the church. And wherever you go tomorrow, that's going to be part of God's church, doing what church does, the body of Christ. And so we didn't need another church just so we could have another service. We needed another church because when we looked at the landscape of downtown Sacramento, we realized that the church is losing. In fact, we're not only losing here, downtown Sacramento, but nationwide. If you look at the statistics, at first glance, you'll see that about the same amount of people go to church every Sunday now as they did 20 years ago. It's about 30% of folks. But if you look at what those people believe, they go to church, you'll see that there's a massive difference now in what Christians who go to church believe than what there was 20 years ago. The worldview of the Christian has changed from a Bible-focused, what God thinks about the worldview, to much more of a world-focused, we go along with what everybody else thinks kind of view. Now, when we try and, as a church, define what it means to win, what it means to be successful, We have to admit that if we filled this room to capacity, if we got every chair we could in here and we filled up this room, that would not equal success. Amen? Not a bad thing in and of itself, but that's not the goal. And so we've got to be very careful about how we define winning. So when we started Restoration Life three years ago, we said, look, we don't need another church with a Sunday morning service. If that's all we get, we fail. We lose. It's not what we set out to do. So, we aimed our sights in a different direction, and we said winning would be growing the kingdom of God by reproducing Christ followers. The biblical word is disciple. If we could reproduce disciples, if we could make disciples not of rest life, not of the pastor, but disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ, if we could continually reproduce people who followed Jesus Christ with all of their passion, with all of their gifts, and said, I want to be the man or woman that God created me to be, if we could do that, we'd be winning. And in fact, that's the very thing that the church in America is struggling with right now. It's not getting people to come on Sunday morning. That's a struggle, but that's not our biggest struggle. The American church has responded to that fairly well. There's a lot of great shows around town. Now some good things happen in some of those churches and I'm not saying that you can't have a a great Sunday morning service. But there's a lot of great shows. There's a lot of great buildings. There's a lot of incredible staffs. But all of that is not producing the Christ followers that the Bible tells us we should expect in the church. In fact, we should expect that if God can change lives, that the lives of those who go to church should be strikingly different. From the lives of those who don't go to church. From the lives of those who don't call themselves followers of Jesus Christ. And statistically, those who go to church, those who call themselves followers of Christ, and those who don't, have about the same divorce rate. Their kids are about as messed up, whether you're in the church or outside the church. Financially, people in the church don't handle their finances any better than anybody else. When it comes to taking care of your body, eating right, exercising... We're not any better than anybody else. And you go down the line, all the different things, vices, drinking, pornography, not much better than the the world outside the church. And when you look at all that, you have to say, if we're honest as a church, for the most part, the church in North America is failing to do what God's called us to do. And if we fill up another room and we entertain another group of people, I don't think it's going to change any of those statistics a single bit. We have got to produce disciples. And so at Restoration Life, when we started out, we put together a mission, vision, strategy document. And when we were meeting in my living room, it was really simple. We didn't have much else to talk about then. I handed one out to everybody. I didn't hand one out to all of you guys this morning. But every September since we started, we said, we're going to take the month of September and we're going to go back to that place. And let's talk about why we exist why did God call another church into existence? It was clearly to make disciples. Now, how are we as God's church here at Restoration Life going to produce Christ's followers? People who, whose lives are different, whose lives are changed, who can stand up and say, I was that way, but by the grace of God, now I'm here. And tomorrow I expect to be over here because God is changing me from the inside out. That's the kind of church we desire to be. And so we came up with a mission statement that reads like this. Go into the community, show them God is alive, and grow them into disciples. We wanted something short enough that you could remember it and repeat it, but long enough that it said who we were and what we're all about. So first of all, we go into the community. That means we got to get out of these four walls. We show them that God is alive we don't just talk the talk. We've got to walk the walk. There's got to be some evidence of this living God that we preach and teach. And then we commit to growing those people who respond in faith into fully mature Christian disciples. That's what this church stands for. And I cut and pasted out of that original document, this paragraph that we came up with as a group in my front room. It says, we are a movement. Restoration life is not a place to get comfortable, but a place to get equipped. We want to share the good news of Jesus Christ with our community, help new Christians grow in their faith and knowledge of God's Word, and then go out into the community to share the same message with others. And on that document, I put a little wheel, a little round circle, and it had arrows on it, and it showed how it continued to move. just like any wheel on a car would. It continues to move and move and cover ground. And we said, we're here now in my living room, But we'd like to continue to move and see this movement continue to pick up steam as we develop more and more Christ followers. And so this process of going into the community, showing people God's alive, growing them into disciples, begins all over again at going into the community, showing them God's alive, and growing them into disciples. And this just continues on and on, so that we continue to produce disciples who produce disciples. And by doing that, we believe we can change the community that we live in. I really believe, as do many who sit around you this morning, that we can see a day when this city is changed at the core. The way the government works. Things like poverty, racism, things that homelessness that have plagued this city for decades and days. De- we could see a change in all of those things. But only if we consistently continue to produce Christ followers disciples of our Lord Jesus Christ you know what often happens you know I played a lot of sports growing up and so I, sometimes I think in sports metaphors you have to bear with me if that's not your bag but I, I think a lot of times what happens in churches is the pastor the staff is called by God to be a coach an equipper a preparer of, of God's team and we're called to get up here and, and to pour our lives into you And during the week to pour our lives into you. And to use all of our resources to encourage, to train, to equip you so that you can do the work of making Christ followers. But somehow what's happened in the the church in North America is all too often, we've got that whole thing messed up and and the, the pastor who's supposed to be the coach becomes the player. And the congregation that's supposed to be the team becomes the crowd. And the pastor gets up here and he yells and he screams and he entertains and the music people are great and we hire another staff to do this and another staff to do that and we expect you to just come and sit and clap and go, Our staff is great. Keep building the kingdom. And if you look at the paradigm that we often see in the church, and I have to admit, it's not fair for me to stand up here and point a finger at another church. That would do no good. We've got to look at us. What are we doing? It is very easy for us, even here at Restoration Life, to start falling into that place. I'll do that for you. Or maybe from your direction, could you do this for me? Because you work full-time. We're paying you to do this. You've got your whole work week. And so often I find myself as a full-time paid staff person at this church thinking, it's my job to build the kingdom for you people. And that's not biblical. It's not right. And it's not what we set out to do. And we need to continually be reminded that that is not how we build the kingdom. We could pour a lot of energy into putting on a better show on Sunday morning. We could, like I said last week, we could try and get air conditioning in here or get our own building. We could, we could get a bigger screen. We could get two screens, actually. I think that's really in vogue right now. A couple of screens on either side. Um, we could probably do a lot of things to make Sunday morning better. We could even go out and hire somebody who's already done it somewhere else and they could come and just reproduce it here. and We could all cheer for them. But see, God did not call the church to be a group of people that cheer for a couple of all-star players. God called the church to be out there doing the work, the hands, the feet, the mouthpiece of Christ. As staff, our job is to just equip you, to encourage you, to train you, to get in the trenches with you, but certainly not to ask you to sit and watch while we do the work. That's not the paradigm we shot for, because that's not going to change anything. Let me just share briefly about our three-pronged approach here. Go, show, and grow. Matthew 28, 19, and 20, you're very familiar with it, I'm sure, if you've been around the church any length of time. We like to call this the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says... Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, as you probably know, these are the last words that Christ spoke. This is at the end of his ministry after he's been raised from the dead And he's about to ascend back into heaven to be with the Father. And he says, look, this is what I want you to do. I'm leaving, but here's what I want you to do. I created the church to do this one thing. And so we often turn to this passage and say, all right, we're the church. What are we supposed to do? Here it is. One of the things that's easy to miss here is that when he says go, it's not a suggestion. It's not as if Jesus said, look, I know you're really busy, but if you have some time, I'd like you to go with me. This go in this passage is actually a command. And if you go back and do a little bit of work in the Greek and you try and understand in the Greek language how this would read, it's an emphatic go. It's ascending go. It's Jesus calling you to battle and saying, go, now is the time. It's a real go. And so often as Christians, we say, yeah, we know we're supposed to go. But what's the next song? Let's sing another song. That's more fun. And we cannot be God's church. We cannot be faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ if we don't listen to His words when He said, step number one, go. If we're going to make disciples, we've got to go beyond sitting in chairs on Sunday morning. If all you do, and, and hear me right, I'm not here to beat you up, but sometimes that's what coaches do. If all you do as a part of restoration life is come on Sunday mornings and sit in a little plastic blue chair and sing some songs and be as quiet as you can and as polite as you can when I talk at you. You're not helping one bit. You're not building the kingdom of God. To be totally frank, you're sitting in somebody else's chair. Because God wants to build His kingdom and He's waiting for His church to get on board with His plans. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you were really comfortable 30 seconds ago and now you're uncomfortable, wake up. This message is for you. God has more for you than you thought. God wants to use you to build his kingdom. We need you to help build that kingdom. I can't do it. I get Mark up here, Robin up here. We're your three paid staff people. Three of us come up here. It's pathetic what we could get done in the course of a week to build God's kingdom. Not going to work. That paradigm will not work. No matter how happy you are with us, God could never be happy with that paradigm. Each one of us is vitally important. God has a plan for you, and you need to find out where that is. So the first thing he says is you've got to go. You've got to walk out of this room. You've got to walk out of that little Christian community that's so comfortable, and you've got to go into the world that's around you, and you've got to take Jesus to that world. So we're a, first and foremost, we're a going church. So we got Park Day. we got Screen on the Green. We could do the Elmer's Project or a house renovation. We try and think of the best ways that we can to get out in the community and be visible and share with people. We did 1,000 Conversations for Christ where you share with your neighbor. We encourage people to invite others to small group, have dinners for six at your house, get people involved in your life from your neighborhood, from your workplace, from your family, but go out of here and make an impact on your world. We are a going church. And we will always be a going church. Or we won't be the church that God called us to be. Number two, we're a showing church. Our mission statement says, show them that God is alive. I had this idea that popped into my head right in the middle of seminary. I always thought growing up that my job was to cause people to give their life to christ in fact i remember as a a early teenager in sunday school talking about sharing your faith with your friends i thought you know a good evangelism technique a good way to to help people become christians would be to say look it costs you nothing you get everything even if you don't believe say the prayer at least you're in i mean that's ridiculous i know but when i was like 12 years old I thought that would be a good evangelist, because it's so easy for people to come into the kingdom. God does everything for you. He died for you. All you have to do is for a moment say, I give my will over to you. I give my life to you. See what you can make of this mess. And it, how hard could it be to sell people on that, right? That's an easy sell. You get everything. cost you nothing. Who, do, who wants to buy? Oh, me, me. You know what I found out? People don't want that gospel. I can't talk people into the kingdom. I've tried. In fact, I remember a time when I was in Dallas, Texas, doing Young Life in the middle of seminary, and there was this kid in my Young Life Club named Josh. and Josh really needed to find Jesus. For no other reason, he was dating this great girl in our Young Life Club who was a really good Christian. I didn't want her to get messed up. So I really wanted Josh to become a Christian. And so I was praying, oh, Lord, save this guy, Josh. He's a talented kid, could sing like crazy. And I said, Lord, save Josh. And so I kind of prepared this evening where we could get together and uh, I could maybe share the gospel with him. And, and everything was going according to plan. I got ready. I said, can I, you know, share this with you? And I got out my four spiritual laws. And I started. But you know, this four spiritual laws, anybody ever seen that little booklet? It's a little evangelistic tool that Campus Crusade put together. It's really short. It's just like the basic gospel. And I thought, this kid deserves the best. You know, I'm a seminary student. I'm going to give him all the gospel. That poor kid sit there for like 45 minutes, eyes glazed over. And I'm telling him all the intricacies of, of, of what it means to be a Christ follower. And I'm showing him Bible passage after Bible passage. And he must have tuned me out after about five minutes. And it occurred to me about 45 minutes in, oh my, I think I'm having more fun than he is. I think I've lost the poor kid. I went way overboard. I just got carried away. Lord, forgive me. And I thought, it would be kind of ridiculous at this point to ask him, would you like to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior? He'd be like, no. I'm so bored. Please leave. But I thought, you know, I came this far. I might as well at least ask. The words got about halfway out of my mouth, and he said, yes. He was so ready at five minutes to pray the sinner's prayer. Those 40 minutes of boring him were just pure torture because he was wondering if I was ever going to ask if he could have Jesus in his life. And it was a good reminder to me, as a good lesson that I can't talk people into the kingdom of God, nor can I talk people out of the kingdom of God because I'm such an idiot sometimes I talk too long. It's God's work to save people. It's our work to reap that harvest. Yes, God tells us to go, to share, to speak clearly, to be bold. But don't ever think that you saved anybody. That's not biblical. You don't save people. God saves people. And He invites little old you and me to be involved in that process. And it's a great honor when we are. John 6.44 says, No one can come to Me unless the Father who sent Me draws him. How does a person get saved? They come face to face with God. They see God for who He really is and in that moment, they can't resist. And they come. But if God doesn't draw them, if He doesn't reveal Himself, your words aren't going to change anything. And that's why we say, show people that God is alive. God who created all of this, the universe, He created science and He created the scientists who mock Him. That God, the God who made all things, loves you. And if you can hear me, if you can understand that, because God revealed it to you. God draws people unto Himself. We share the message. We leave the results to God. So as a restoration life, as a community of believers, we'll continue to share that message. My God is alive. He's good. He loves you. He has a plan for your life. If you can't hear me, then I didn't just waste my breath. I'm just being faithful. But if you can hear me, that's a miracle of God. And you need to respond and get on your knees and repent. And start living out the life that God has for you. So we go and we show And then we grow. The last one is to grow them into disciples. It's extremely important that we get this part right. And total transparency here, I went to a conference on Monday and Tuesday of this week, church up in Post Falls, Idaho. They're doing a great job of producing disciples up there. Phenomenal job. It was really cool to be up there. I didn't have time in my schedule to go. Fact is, I forgot that I'd even signed up to go until about a week and a half ago, and I got a reminder email, and I go, oh, man, that doesn't fit in my schedule. But it was all already booked and paid for, and so I felt like I needed to honor it and go, so I went. I was about two hours into that conference when I thought, oh, Lord, forgive me. This was the last place I wanted to be, and it was exactly where you wanted me to be. And it was a great conference, good for me as your pastor to be there Thinking through the process of discipleship. And I was aware as we sat and, and, and talked that Restoration Life needs to tighten up this piece a little bit more. We have been a going and showing church. And that's good. And a lot of people have grown in a lot of significant ways. But we can do better. And I want to challenge you that over this next year, we as Restoration Life are going to do a better job at growing disciples. From small groups to adult education, spiritual check-ins, accountability groups, we want to do a better job of resourcing you so that you can go beyond where you're at now. God is not satisfied with where any one of us are at today. He's got a better tomorrow ahead for you. And we as God's church need to continue to keep supporting you, equipping you to become that man or woman that you could be. And so we're going to tighten up discipleship just a bit. Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 to 14 says this. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. Did You get that? All these gifts of leadership, all these gifts of ability to teach and equip. They're given to God, to God's church so that we can equip people so that we can prepare people Sunday morning, what we do here at Big Church, this is not the best way to equip everybody. We can get one big message across on Sunday, and that's great. We can talk about vision, mission, strategy on Sunday, and you all get it in one sit-down, few minutes, done. Check that off the list. But that's not life change. That's just keeping alignment and symmetry in the body. That's all we can get done on Sunday morning. But during the week, we've set up opportunities for you to grow in other ways. If you're involved in a small group, that's a place where you can be equipped. If you come at 9 o'clock for our adult ed hour, that is a place where you can be equipped. If you're involved in an accountability relationship and you meet one-on-one or in a small group of people, that is a place where you can be equipped. Now, all these things already exist at Rest Life, but some of you haven't taken advantage of those. And I just want to state very clearly this morning, maturity in Christ, being mature in Christ, how do you know when you're mature in Christ? Is when you look behind you and you see that your life is being used to produce followers of Jesus Christ. If you look behind you and nobody's getting built up, nobody's coming to faith in Christ, you're not leading anybody to the Lord. You're not helping anybody to grow in their faith. You're not mature. And Peter tells us what a shame it is in the church when people who should be mature are still drinking baby milk. They should be eating meat. God wants each one of us to grow to that place of maturity. The rest of Ephesians chapter 4 says, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all, says all, reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of of Christ God wants you to become mature he wants you to be a mature believer he wants other people to look at you and go that guy that gal right there they know God and they're teaching me all about him and I don't know what I would do if I didn't have him in my life he wants you to be that person to somebody else that's the goal for you if that's not true of your life you need to keep your focus it's not about Sunday morning it's about what you do all week long about taking advantage of the opportunities that we give you as a church to be involved in discipleship and being trained up. We're doing it. We'll be here next Sunday morning at 9 o'clock whether you're here or not. Our small group will meet at 6 a.m. at Carol's next Thursday morning whether you're there or not. Small groups throughout this area are going to be meeting all week long whether you sign up out there after service or not. But you won't be able to become the man or woman that God wants you to be unless you've been discipled. Unless somebody's building into you, equipping you, and unless you've got opportunities to do the same. So we are a going church, a showing church, and a growing church. And I just wanted to stop on this particular Sunday in September and remind us, that's what God called us to be. That's what the Word of God demands that we be. And if we do anything else, it's disobedience before our God. So we cannot, we will not be any other kind of church. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning for an opportunity to be refocused. Lord, I thank You for these passages that remind us of Your will for Your church that are true for all people, all times, all places. Lord, these truths never become obsolete. They never get outdated. Your desire for the church today is the same desire that You had for the church 2,000 years ago. And every year in between. So Lord, we thank You for clarity. We thank You for... The ability here at Rest Life to grow this community of believers, to to prepare, to develop, to produce disciples. Lord, would you continue to keep us on track with your plan, your will? Keep us from getting sidetracked, going down any other paths. Lord, we want to produce followers of you, who in turn produce followers of you. And so, Lord, we thank you for this reminder this morning. May we be faithful to it. Each man, each woman, the seat where we sit. Lord, help us to be obedient to the calling that you put on our life this morning. Whatever your Holy Spirit has revealed to us, Lord, would you help us to live it out without fail. We thank you for this in Jesus' name.